Welcome, everybody, to our eighth podcast, is it, Becky? Our eighth podcast from the Rainbow Umbrella Group. And thanks for tuning in. We've set this podcast up for folks who identify as lesbian. I'm Caroline, one of your hosts today, and let me introduce you to my co-host, Becky, all the way in your camper van up in, where are you today? Well, I've just pulled into Inverness um, because it's raining. And I've got a leaky window in my, uh, over my bed. So I've got a bucket. Well, it's actually a saucepan. Um, <laughs> but don't feel sorry for me because I've had the most beautiful couple of weeks um, working my way up here. And oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. I've, I've steered away from the coast. So I'm, I'm going along rivers and I'm barely bumping into a soul. And it's, uh, it's been wonderful. Yeah. Um, so yes, how are you? How's life with you? I'm good. Very good. Thank you very much. Um, Work. not working so oh, unfortunately God. not traveling around the country like you i've seen your pictures i have they are beautiful um you are having a, a lovely time with yourself and your friends and the dogs and it just seems just very relaxing and i think that's what people it need at this time at the moment. And, and all i can say is this is my first one for my camper van so i hope the sound's not too bad mm-hmm. i hope none of my dogs woof uh, at the inappropriate time when we start chatting to our fabulous guest Caroline well done for getting this yes yes I have to say I had first heard Dr Caroline West on the lesbian line about like June of last year and um June of this June just gone and I just remember thinking wow how amazing that we have to get this this woman on our podcast so we've been really lucky and with that, I am now going to introduce Dr. Caroline West. She's a lecturer, writer, media, commentator, sex expert, and podcast host. She focuses on sex, feminism, and the body. She is the host of Glow West podcast, which explores sex, sexuality, and the body. Caroline is currently a sex and relationship expert for evoke.ie, The Elaine Show on Virgin Media One, and Bumble Ireland. Caroline completed her PhD in 2020, and this research focused on the experience of women working in the American pornography industry. This research explored the themes of stigma, violence, and interaction with fans. Caroline hosts an MA in sexual studies and is interested in the relationship between power, sex, and knowledge. She is passionate about creating spaces for calm, informed conversations about sex and works to reduce shame and stigma around sex. In 2018, Caroline was listed as one of Silicon Republic's top high-flying scientists, making the world a better place in 2019. And in 2020, Irish Country Women magazine included her in the Wonder Women Meet the Women Shaping 2020 feature. Wow, Caroline, <laughs> that's that is when you one say it like that. Yeah, get around, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Caroline, how did you end up specialising in sexual studies? It's been a long process and it wasn't something I probably ever thought it would be in my life. Um, I have a lot of moments now where I'm going, is this my life? This is a bit weird. But yeah, <laughs> so I suppose it, it kind of, if we, if we go back properly down memory lane and I basically put all the blame with this on Eurotrash. So <laughs> if you remember, Eurotrash was that Channel 4 show and it showed people doing really all sorts of weird and wonderful things normally in Germany. Um, Germany has a reputation for, for being a bit out there. But again, it just showed people having fun with sex, you know, and, and they're doing all, all sorts of things that might be a bit out there, but they just had fun and the show was all ridiculous. You know, they would dub over German accents with Scouse accents and just make it even more silly and ridiculous. And I was like, oh, this, this sex thing seems like lots of fun. I will do this at some point and it will be loads of fun. 
But then going back to Ireland and looking at our Irish sex education and Irish sexual culture and or Irish culture in general was just very anti-fun. It was, you know, very sex negative. It was, you know, um, the laundries were still around when I was growing up. Um, so that was very, you know, I, I don't know if they're still admitting women at that time, but that history was still there. And it was still something I knew that, like, if women explored their sexuality, they can get locked up. And, you know, it just seemed like sex was this terrifying thing. So I was like, well, what? it's fun over here, but it's terrifying over here. And that's really like, like, what is that difference? And why are we so upset about it and also why do we care like what what difference does it make if someone dresses up like a horse or if someone does whatever weird and wonderful thing that they're doing like what what difference is made to anyone else's life so I kind of was always kind of interested in it in that kind of like theory versus reality kind of approach I suppose mm-hmm. and then I did um a diploma in psychoanalysis and that was you know a very freudian theory and freud was all about sex and absolutely everything came down to sex and i kind of think he was a little bit right on that like it does like sex informs a lot of our lives but he was very much um no women i'm going to tell you what sex is like and then the women psychoanalysts were like no you're wrong and he was like no 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 shh you don't know anything i know about this and he said that um to be a mature woman you had to give up your clitoral orgasms and only have vaginal orgasms and women obviously were like no you're missing a few steps there you know in, in that thing and it was just really interesting how like that led to like 10 years of psychoanalysts fighting over female sexuality and people portraying it to be a dark continent and it's like not really that dark if you actually just stopped and listened to women you know we'd probably be able to tell you a lot more and it wouldn't be such a dark continent um, and then I just got really lucky that DCU started up a master's in sexuality studies and I was like this is perfect like that actually that's where I want to be that's where I want to go um, down that line and then but again in that 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 was really a lot of the conversation was about when we were looking at porn it was like oh we listen to like middle-class white feminists about what the realities of porn were but we weren't actually listening to people who were doing porn so again it was that kind of like the outsider as the expert so people who had negative views of sex and had negative views of porn and they were perceived as experts whereas the women themselves weren't and I was like oh that's an interesting thing between that relationship between power and you know who who knows the truth about sex kind of thing mm-hmm. so so that led me into doing the the PhD as well because porn is like a really great tool for no pun intended um for looking at things like feminism media communication sex the body gender history psychology yeah. absolutely everything you can use uh, you know porn to kind of tell something about human society from and stuff so I suppose there's never a dull moment with it and I kind of liked that as well so um yeah definitely something like I've no head for maths or or science like physics or anything like that so this is definitely a lot more interesting to me yeah. than equations and stuff yeah really. and I've been listening to an awful lot of your podcast and I, I just when you're listening to them it, it's just in Ireland and we brought up in Catholic Ireland like I was brought up Catholic Ireland 96% of the people in Ireland were Catholic at the time masturbation she's nobody did that nobody oh god what what porn nobody watches porn nobody admits to watching porn and I think everybody watches porn and yet it's a hidden thing and they were saying you know during snow and obviously during lockdown 
the highest they, they, they actually did i've seen the stats of of ha, what counties watched more porn than other counties and the time so anytime during lockdown or at, you know the, the snow last year or the, whenever we had snow south dublin was kind of high in those months but nobody talks about it um and then you know i remember years ago in the 90s being in a pub and one of the girls talking about masturbation and then going that she doesn't masturbate that's just weird and i'm just thinking i think it's just weird that we're talking about it like because nobody masturbates nobody admits it so um i love that silence and stigma is just it's pervasive isn't it yeah but if you don't explore your own body how are you going to have good sex it's literally the foundation for everything and I've, I've just come off giving a, a workshop to Maynooth Students Union and I was saying this is how you have healthy relationships you have healthy sex lives because you get to know your own body mm. you get to be able to say oh well actually I like this kind of pressure or I like this angle or I like a toy that does xyz and and then you can communicate that to a partner but if you expect your partner to be a mind reader yeah. it's not going to happen you know, mm-hmm. and you're going to be both fumbling around in a non-sexy way. And, you know, mm-hmm. especially I think for, for guys, you know, I think a lot of men are assumed to know how to have sex, you know, and it's that stereotype of women are more passive and then men are the doers of sex. And then, of course, that that's the dominant thing. And then when you're like, well, how do you how does sex work then if, if there's no penis involved? Mm-hmm. You know, like for ages when I was growing up, I was like, is it just scissoring? Like that was it. That was all like that I, I viewed. And I was like, how does the angle work for, for that? And you're trying to figure it out. And again, no one talks to you about it. So where do you go? You go to porn and porn mm-hmm. is so unrealistic. Like it's not meant to be realistic it's meant to be spectacle like we don't accuse hollywood films of not being realistic like we like seeing you know in like mission impossible or whatever it is like you know like tom cruise climbing up a building with just gloves or you know is it in oh, what's one bruce willis die hard yeah he shoots yeah. like a helicopter down with a car and stuff and we don't go i oh, know that's not very realistic <laughs> you know like we don't but when it comes to porn we're like it has to be realistic this is disgraceful and everyone's gonna mm-hmm. just like do this and it's like that's because we talk about general movies and stuff like but we don't talk about porn so then people are like well maybe it is so kind of like throwing people to the wolves that we're just saying here learn learn about sex from porn just doesn't mm-hmm. work like that yeah and it's it's really sad the porn that is out there for for well all porn but I'm talking lesbian porn it it's it's directed and produced by men yeah and, and I've heard you it. talk like about really that. long nails and like you know that's not how that works no <laughs> run <laughs> but it's it really it scares me that you know the more you think about it the more going this isn't how it really is you know what I mean um and it's it you know it can be it really annoys me that you know, it's very hard to find that nice love erotic film that you want to watch. It's, it's just, it's hard to find that type of content. I mean, it is a question of capitalism as well. You know, it, it's like Pornhub is a massive conglomerate. Um, and, you know, it's, it's hosted by a certain group that basically bought up every content tube site and amalgamated under like the same um, umbrella. So they basically own 
porn you know it, mm-hmm. it's like and a lot of the performers were like well if we need to sell our content we have to buddy up with them so it's really changed the industry but I actually think things like OnlyFans are going to be the next step in revolutionizing what we think of as porn because now the performers can actually make more money through OnlyFans and they don't have to you know play the game of you know going along with the male content producers and stuff and obviously there's part of that because if if, if men are buying porn and that's porn they want to see people are going to make it because they want to make money like that's a simple capitalism and stuff but the fact like most porn studies never included women in them they were like oh here's these white middle class college guys and we'll study them and see what their views are on porn and then that was just like you know um generalized to everyone mm-hmm. and women weren't a part of porn studies for the longest time and most oh. of the time we're still assumed that like we don't watch porn it's like that's yeah that is weird it's, it is amazing isn't it so for, for me i think everything i've been listening intently and again i've obviously been introduced to your podcast and they've been phenomenally interesting to listen to and so varied in terms of what you <laughs> discuss and i've only listened to a couple here in my own with the cushion over my head so i have managed to be brave enough to listen to some of them without without that but most of the things you've been talking about are actually things that perhaps we should be introducing in sex education at a younger age to remove the fear. I didn't know there was a word called lesbian until I was in my 20s, 30s, and I'm not that old. So, you know, in terms of it's quite shocking that that's the case. And likewise, I think I've mentioned this before, the word masturbation, you know, that was something no way, Jose, would, you know, once a year maybe. And that was when I felt really guilty afterwards. And so it's really liberating to hear that you're talking to youngsters about being authentic to themselves with sharing what they would like to happen and exploring together do you think that's why things are changing do you think that it's too late for some generations or you know how how could maybe if you were having a conversation with I don't know late 40s early 50s something women coming out into maybe a lesbian world what what would you say to them how would you begin to sort of say it's okay to them and explore like I think that's really common like during you know when when we were allowed me face to face with people I did so many workshops and events and lectures in the public because I'm, I'm not a fan of like keeping everything in the ivory tower of academia and like you know your papers behind paywalls I'd rather get out and, and talk to people and I could guarantee every time I did a public thing I'd always have a woman in like her 30s or 40s come up to me and say oh I've never told anyone this but xyz and stuff and it kind of broke my heart a little to think you've kept that in for so long and you've missed out on on so much fun and pleasure for so long and but I'm also ridiculously grateful that you chose me to say that to and I can point you in various directions and stuff but so many people that I've spoken to on the podcast there's there's an episode coming out now about um BDSM in a couple of weeks and someone said the the wife had read she was in her 70s and had read 50 shades of gray and we all know that's it's a terrible film and it's not really a great representation of of kink or life in general but they were like let's try this i want this is what's been missing and he went to a sex shop and bought toys for them to take home and they were in their 70s having like you know he was super excited about it and i was like oh this is amazing to see but you know i i I think it, like it all comes down to accepting the fact, and this is very difficult for Irish people because of our history and our culture, to accept the fact that life is short, let's have pleasure. 
And pleasure is a weird thing in our society. Like even if you, you know, if you have good self-esteem, you're accused of loving yourself as if this is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely not. Um, And I think like really recognizing, you know what, like sex is, a big part of life and it, or it's not for some people that's fine as well but if it is you should have pleasurable sex and we we have rights to orgasms and to have sex in ways that we want to have sex and we're, we're kind of getting a bit better at this i think like referendums like the abortion referendum really introduced the idea of we don't have to be parents and we can be parents on our own terms if that's how we want to do so that really really kind of introducing that and autonomy into our lives as well and now we can kind of extend that autonomy into our sex lives as well and say hey this is how i want to have sex or not have sex whatever the case may be but i think we also now thankfully live in a world where google is a thing and we can learn about different genders different sexualities different experiences um like it was very confusing when i was growing up i like i did not like identify as bi now and I I remember like coming out to a person saying I think I'm a lesbian and it took forever to get up the courage to say that and and you know and but the second the words left my mouth I was like actually I don't think that's true it just didn't make any sense but I didn't really have the word for a bi and I didn't really understand kind of what was going on but I was like oh no that's not right now and he's like well which is it and I'm like I don't know <laughs> I'm really confused I don't know but um you know but then like Google is finally a thing and you can find your communities and, you know, like groups like yourselves are amazing. And we have groups like Tenny and like all these groups that like people find community and kin in. And there's a lot of potential there for finding authenticity. And that's kind of the, the key to having inverted commas, good sex and like more authentic sex. And, you know, kind of a reclaiming of that pleasure for ourselves. So I think, age shouldn't come into it anymore and again you know some people might have spent 30 40 years just having miserable experiences but it's never too late to reclaim yourself and even that doesn't have to be with another person that can be just with yourself and true masturbation and stuff and I really like that I get to talk about things like that because you don't want to masturbate with toys that will give you infections like jelly toys don't ever use them because they they're porous they'll melt they'll just give you an upset vagina which is something that you don't want or like body safe lube like did you guys know that like some lubes are going to give you yeast infections because there's glycerin in them yeah and it's like all those different things like that's missing in all our sex education and you know there's a few sex educators on instagram they chop up those jelly toys and put them in the jar and watch what happens and they melt and disintegrate and they smell and it's like that's what you don't want in your body so it's really important that like while we're looking for pleasure and stuff that we're doing it in a safe way and we're not harming ourselves in that sense so that's really important as well and that's what's missing like we don't see that in porn you know we don't see well here's the ingredient of the sex toy that they're using you know and we don't see it in sex education so we do need to do a little bit of work but there is thankfully like a lot of resources out there now that that we can call on for that yeah and i I like those toys are like oh sorry caroline I can't believe those toys are allowed to be sold under, you know, sale of goods acts, shall we say. Anybody can make a sex toy out of any ingredient and sell it anywhere. It's not regulated. Goodness me. Good grief. Well, I'm lucky. I did invest when I discovered that masturbation wasn't a bad word in a Lilo. So uh, sadly, I really enjoy that. But uh, I'm in my camper van at the moment and it's back home and I've been away far too long. But never mind. (laughs) So I have to stock up somewhere. 
<laughs> I really liked, um, I think it was the podcast with Lola and she's talking about, because a lot of people are on their own at the moment. They're not getting to meet anybody. And I have a lot of lesbian friends who are going, I just, I, I'm dying for to meet someone. And, and I liked what Lola was saying. It was like, she lit the candle. She had the music going. It was just her. She chose her toy. She had the room warm because it's getting cold these days. <laughs> so, and she just had a lovely time masturbating. And she, you know, it was a date night with herself. And, and I think it's so good. Like even for your mental health, let alone yeah. your sexual health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. Inspiring to hear, isn't it? Yeah. You know, perhaps we ought to start scheduling that now. Yeah. And I think in one of your earlier podcasts with Samantha, is it from Joe Devine? Oh, Samantha Evans. Yeah. So she was talking about her busiest time of the year is coming up. The clock changes this Saturday. And when it gets darker earlier, that's her busiest time in in, in work for online sex toys. It's brilliant. It's fascinating because it's like, you know, we don't want to go out. It's too miserable. Irish weather as well. It's manky. Mm-hmm. you know and, and we're probably not going to get the chance to go out anyway with lockdown and yeah. everything else but you know i mean sex you know once if you're using sex toys once you make that initial investment then it's free you know and it's something that it's so good for your health like it lowers your blood pressure it helps you sleep it releases endorphins um it's so good for like anxiety all those kind of things as, as well as claiming autonomy over your pleasure and over your body and that that's something that is really empowering that way and it's not to say you have to invest in sex toys like your hands are just as good but for if you want a little bit extra you know like there's so many great options out there which is fantastic to see absolutely yeah what what sites would you recommend to look at for sex toys that are obviously uh, not bad for us and uh, equally you know, for maybe a lesbian audience or even a first time masturbator, maybe I'm putting you on the spot here, but is there no, anything no, no, absolutely. to use um, so, direction of? If you have a clitoris, you need to get, this is, this is my, my demand, you need to get a suction toy. So you can either have, um, it's called a satisfier or a womanizer, which is an awful name, but it's a great product. So they're for use just on your clitoris. And oh my God, they are amazing. So absolutely get yourself one of them. I'm looking one up now. Thank you. Can you just give those names again? The Satisfier or the Womanizer. And I, I have said that I've, I actually met the CEO at a conference in um, L.A. And I was like, oh, my God, please change that name. <laughs> like, it's just awful. But, you know, I get it. But still. But so they're like kind of the more modern toys like that. They're using air suction as opposed to something that you insert or, you know, um, use more more in a different way. The other option, which I definitely recommend, is the Hitachi Magic Wand. And that is the OG of sex toys. This That's has been around. Thing. Oh, like it's huge! Yeah, massage, and you plug it yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, it's technically a, yeah, back massager, but you know, like with anything, women have found ways to curl yeah. things. Washing machine. It, yeah, absolutely. This is, it's cumbersome, but not quite as cumbersome as a washing machine. But it's now the only downside to a Hitachi Magic Wand is it's really loud. It's ridiculously loud. So you know, like do it under the covers of your duvet or something. But that is like. You can have an orgasm in like 30 seconds with that. You know, it's sometimes it's, it's like whether you, if you didn't even want to come, you're still going to have an orgasm because it's just so strong and it's so powerful. And then you can get other ones that will kind of combine 
like either like clitoral stimulation and internal stimulation as well, if that's what you want. Now, the, the problem with some of those toys, and they kind of look like, if you'd imagine like your hand making a C, so they'd have like maybe your um your index finger at your clitoris and your thumb maybe for inside, if you kind of mm. imagine it that way. Um, The problem with a lot of them is, our bodies don't fit one particular mold. So the distance between our clitoris and the entrance to our vagina might be different. So they might, mm-hmm. they might not line up well with each other. Mm-hmm. So just kind of be careful with those. So um, any, the kind of sex toys you want to get are ones that are made from silicone and particularly medical grade silicone or a plastic kind of called ABS plastic, which is what the satisfier is made of. So you want to avoid the jelly ones or ones that claim to look realistic. So anything that's kind of a bit squishy like that, you you, you want to stay away from. Because um, as well as like melting, they're, they're porous. So your bacteria and all your, your juices and lube and all the rest can get stuck in there and then multiply. And then the next time you use that, you know, you're asking for a yeast infection. Um, in Ireland, like I definitely recommend Shauna over at sexshopper.ie and she has like all her products are body safe. So that's, and you know, where that's that where you're at. Shauna? Is that? Shauna Scott from sexshopper.ie. So she's oh. online. Um, she's based in Sligo at the moment. So you're supporting like local as well. And this is part of like the new phase of sex toys. You want to have sustainability as well. So you want to have, you know, materials that won't harm the environment but sustainability is also supporting local businesses too. Yeah. so um like you were saying yeah her, her business would go up as well in the darker months as well so um yeah there's something about that that we just kind of want to stay in and like, like lola was doing like light some candles and treat yourself and away you go you yeah. know and make it a night like you know make i just loved it i think she was even said watch some nice porn though you know have some or some nice music or and just get yourself in the humor you know and that's so important to, to to especially for people who are on their own, especially in the in what we're, we're what we're doing at the moment, and that just no people contact at the moment. So as well, that is, Absolutely. and just you know, most uh, when it comes to protection for people, like you'll only hear about condoms for men. Like literally, it's all about HIV. But when it comes to body fluid, it's uh, there's always body fluid between women as well, and. I just think it's really interesting. I've never seen an advertisement for um, dental dams or finger condoms. I've never seen anything in the lesbian forums or in any diva magazine, anything mentioning protection for women. And there's nothing meant like it, there's no conversation around it. How important do you think it is for lesbians to be using protection? Oh, as important as anyone who's having sex with anyone else, you know, regardless of gender or body types or sexuality, you can still catch an STI. The problem is like we were coming from really bad sex education where it's very much penis and vagina equals sex and therefore that's very hetero. Um, And we look at like STI has been transmitted through semen and of course that doesn't apply to lesbian sex but absolutely you can still get STIs um, through any kind of contact if you're up close and personal with another human you know it's realistically you may or may not catch something it's like COVID it's like colds and flu there's no shame or stigma in it it's just a part of being human and you know in close contact with another human but the issue yeah dental dams I, I can't remember even seeing a dental dam ever in Ireland I think and like the you know like you can obviously make them out of condoms and stuff like that but even um even the names like you know they you know condom the male condom it should be like the external condom and the female condom should be called the internal condom and we kind of mm-hmm. remove gender from it a little bit but actually the the only time I've seen 
like to see condoms in porn, the external condoms is rare anyway. Um, yeah. But to see, I remember seeing them in um, Crash Pad series. So that's um, porn made by um, Shine Louise Houston out in San Francisco. And she has scenes where people were like, they were lying back and they were taking out the dental dam and it just made it be part of sex. Yeah. I think the person's name, now I can't remember the actor name, um, Dylan, someone I think it was. I want to say Dylan Thomas, but I think that's wrong. But anyway, and they were just lying back and they were getting it ready. And it was just this lovely part of sex where it was like, this is just, you know, foreplay. And or it was just like, you know, this is a normal part of sex when we get our protection out and that's it. Um, and I've also seen a scene from them as well where someone's masturbating on their own and they're using gloves to masturbate oh. on their own. And I was like, I've never seen that absolutely yeah. never seen it so it was really refreshing to see and you know you can make those things sexy it's like, like the old-fashioned way we used to th- old-fashioned like if you go back five years even in our society we used to think consent classes were like the worst thing and they were all like gonna tell us men were rapists and that was it and consent can't be sexy and now we're finally evolved a little bit more mm-hmm. and asking for consent can of course be sexy but so can getting out contraception you know it's like will i get the gloves or whatever way you're going to say it and stuff it can be really nice but yeah you do have to remember that anytime you're up close in person with another human being that risk is there so there's no such thing as safe sex it's safer sex mm-hmm. yeah and i think i i, I said it to a friend it's dental dance like she goes, go wherever your dentist gets theirs. <laughs> like, I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> but it's just, it's really interesting that it's not talked about. It's people think because they're lesbians, there is no, there is no risk of, of catching anything. And I think it needs to be highlighted more in, in, in our kind of world in the tribe. Um, with regards to, you know, if you're having sex with another female, you still have to think about protection. And Absolutely. Uh, you know. and the fact that condoms or dental dams, or whatever you're using, they're not going to protect you from absolutely everything. Like herpes is skin on skin. So, the, you know, the, the condom or dental dam, whatever you, you're using, is only going to protect that particular mm-hmm. piece of skin. And uh, like things like pubic lice and, and, you know, things like that are um, spread through contact. So, you know, again, that's we sometimes think, oh, condoms solve everything, and they absolutely don't. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And just around, we were talking about porn, and is there anything, like you, you were talking about fan, what were you, you mentioned fans. Oh, OnlyFans. Was OnlyFans. It? What's OnlyFans? So that's more like a subscription-based model now. So that's where a performer will, like you'll sign up to their content, and they'll release photos or videos, whatever happens to be, um, and you kind of, get that per month and you can interact with the person themselves so some of them are very much um high production you know there's ring lights there's sets there's everything else sometimes it's just someone doing it in their bedroom so Mm -hmm. it really kind of democratized a lot of the porn world and stuff and there's a couple of irish girls on it and they've actually made something like a hundred grand during lockdown and they're like picturing buying their houses and stuff and (laughs) yeah i'm like get it girl like you know and the men hate it they're constantly like every tweet they put up about it the men are like oh you're just such a slut or whatever and they're like oh you messaged me before you messaged me asking asking me for a discount and you know they catch them out that way which is great <laughs> but it really kind of it democratizes porn in the sense of like you like a lot of the porn companies are owned by men mm-hmm. and they're creating content that is for men and even if it's lesbian porn it's it's fake lesbianism for yeah. men but you know again with only fans you know you can request either custom videos or you can really seek out like porn from like content content creators who may actually be lesbians or you know somewhere on the lgbt spectrum and you know 
you've more of a chance of finding content that feels a bit more authentic for yourself rather than giving in to these kind of big clung, 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 I can never say that word, conglomerates. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Conglomerates. Yes. Yeah, difficult. Thank you. <laughs> um, that hearing you talk and it sounds fantastic as a solution to reward and get the money to the people who are really perhaps doing the hard work rather than the contacts and the conglomerates. Um, but that scares the hell out of me thinking about possibly making contact with somebody who is somewhere and it's a unique person. I presume I don't have the word I can't say anonymity. Um, so therefore, how, how, wow, that just blows my mind a bit too much, a bit too freaky, but probably is a, a more suiting to myself, to my values way of actually procuring porn. So can you talk a little bit more about how somebody like me might go and find somebody who are, would be rewarded for their services directly rather than through a big chain or big company. absolutely uh, this is what we call ethical porn consumption because a lot of the porn on the tube sites that you can all think of the performers aren't getting that money and the directors aren't getting it sometimes or they're maybe getting a small amount of it and you know and maybe like sometimes the film company will make an hour-long movie and they'll give it a title and then if it gets sold to these tube sites, it gets chopped up into five minute sections and maybe there's words used that the performer would never have agreed to. And we can all think of like the horrible racist language that's important um, and that they might be applied on those tube sites because they're search terms that people use. So, you know, but the performer would never have agreed to that in their own when they're actually filming it at the time. So my advice would be to go direct to um, porn sites that are actually owned and run by queer people. So it's Googling, you know, the likes of um, Shine Louise Houston and Crash Pad series and um, Pink and White Productions. So you know that if you're going to them and you're buying from them, that money is going to them. It's going to the performers. It's going into, you know, the profits are going into the business and then they can make more queer and lesbian porn down the line. So it's like a lovely whatever the opposite of a vicious circle is, a happy circle, you know, because again, you're supporting the performers, you're putting the food on their table. That's what it comes down to. A lot of sex work like isn't glamorous. It's, you know, there's a lot of people who are doing it to buy school uniforms for kids or, you know, pay school fees. And if you're buying direct from that performer, you're helping that happen rather than making a man in an office very, very rich. Um, or else it's finding like your favorite performer and then looking up information around them and, and watching, okay, well, they work for this site and then investigating that site, like who owns it? You know, like you're looking at the about section, who owns it? Do they have anything about like the profit statement? Do they have anything about working conditions? Do they have anything about like their performer bill of rights? This kind of thing as well. Um, so all those kind of things, and you can find that out. Like a lot of performers will have social media nowadays. So you can follow them on there and they might say, hey, go to this website. I, and, and find my content here so you know they'll direct you themselves over to it and um, <clears throat> excuse me as much as you can on social media because sex is not allowed on a lot of um a lot of our social media platforms but again it's you know that way you are really putting your money where your mouth is and you're being ethical you're supporting the kind of content that you want to see in the world you're supporting authentic sex you know as much as we can see authentic sex um out there and I suppose if you really want to push the boat out, there are porn film festivals around the world. Like there's one that's amazing in Berlin. And like it has content that you're like, this isn't porn. Like, what am I watching here? But, it, you know, you kind of come away of thinking 
that's a different way to have sex that I didn't experience before or think about. Um, and like that, that conference is amazing because they actually have some of the performers and directors there and you can talk to them and, you know, you go and it's set in an old little cinema and you can go in and sit down and have your popcorn and your glass of wine and watch hardcore porn on the screen. Um, so it's, it's a lot of fun. Like there's no sleaze to it, which is an interesting thing. You know, I've been to that. That's Berlin. It's, you know, it's very European, but I've been to the one in Vegas as well, which had a little bit more sleaze but not as much sleaze as I was expecting but Berlin was definitely it was a safe environment um, it was very queer very feminist very like a fun atmosphere to be in wow well, that sounds that's, that sounds interesting you have a great job so basically with our choice in porn we need to be as discerning as we would do about thinking about our environmental purchase of, of food or or anything else and I never really thought about that for sex toys um, and sorry, you, you, you referred to this thing available before that is power driven by the mains. And sorry, can you just give me that again? That's the Hitachi magic wand. <laughs> Wonderful. We're going to have to do a huge list associated with this, uh, the notes for this podcast, aren't we? There's, there's a lot to research. And I certainly never heard of those air suction solutions that you referred to. It will to change before. your life. Like, honestly, treat yourself. Like, it's oh, my it. Lord. Gosh. Yeah. It's, it's quite scary, Caroline. I don't know how you feel, but I, I just, you know, I don't think I'm backward. I think I've grown into myself now. But there's so much I do not know and would never have even thought to look at or think about. So thank you. It's, it's really important if we yeah. manage to, you know, Learn, you know a couple of people learn from this would be phenomenal including yeah. myself obviously and i, I, had I, a I had a... from belgium she dragged me into ann summers on the g outside the gpo I remember it was outside on post and and there was a big there was a there was some protest happening so there was the tv crew were outside and i'm walking out of ann summers after buying my first vibrator and air my swing away and there i was like i'm on tv <laughs> That was my first experience. But again, you go into town summers, but you don't know or understand what you need or what's good for you because you wouldn't have researched it because you're embarrassed to research it. So um, and anything I bought, I bought while I was in there, not knowing or having done enough research. And it's been on summers. It wasn't online. So, it, you know, it is important to like suction, th- those suction toys. <laughs> right. We're all referring to our notes, aren't we, Caroline? We've all made notes of those <laughs> have a look at that. I equally um I was in Stoke-on-Trent and um they didn't have an Ann Summers so it was basically a you know backstreet sex shop and I went in there and I was so mortified going around there looking for a vibrator and the guy came up to me he says and, and I was with a friend um we were both as embarrassed as each other and he said is there anything I can do to help you and or anything else I said no we're just having a mass debate of which one to choose and it was like as in a mass discussion over and it's like oh my god god if i've ever done anything like that it's just like oh only me <laughs> yeah. can i can i can i touch on another question that i'm wanting to know a little bit about because uh this word came into my life about three years ago when i broke up with my last partner and that wonderful word of polyamory so do you think that is something there was a fantastic program on in the UK. I don't know if you had it um, over in Ireland called Trigonometry. And it was a brilliant, brilliant storyline based in London, I believe. London or Manchester. Anyway, it was a couple who had a, a flatmate and they ended up all sort of falling in love with each other and functioning really well as a threesome. 
Um, and there were complications, but it was more about the outside world not accepting it. I cannot see how polyamory can work unless you are a truly well-balanced, non-jealous ever person who would be feeling... Because polyamory to me is about you with one person one day and another person another day. And it could be those same two people that, you know, you're with. How, how, who, how, what, where, possible. <laughs> so we never ask that question about monogamy. We never say, oh, does monogamy work? And we kind of know that it doesn't for a lot of people. Do you know, like a lot of marriages end in divorce. I think the rate of divorce in England is like one in 2.5 marriages end in divorce but we're not saying oh we shouldn't do monogamy you know and, and we kind of like that's the default setting in society and that's because of like hundreds of years of you know particular religions and the industrial revolution as well where you had to guarantee property rights and um you know the parentage of kids and all this kind of thing it was easier to do that if you're married to one person but the thing when monogamy as well we're not taught about what healthy relationships are in general so sometimes we kind of just drift into monogamy because that's our, our standard and we don't really look at like am I actually happy in this relationship and am I having my needs met and can I meet this other person's needs so you know when we extend that out when we look at different types of relationship structures there, there's so much you know we have trouble is the, the newest word but that's generally and that can be a hierarchy thing of like there's one person in the middle who dates both people and those two people don't date each other or maybe they do date each other or maybe they just have sex with each other but they don't date each other and then polyamory can take so many different forms so you can have um you know just essentially an open relationship where you're going to meet up with someone just for sex but there's to be no relationship or you can have you know different relationships outside of it and, and you know it's like google calendar apparently is like the tool to help make polyamory relationships work and i can totally see that so you know i had um i think it was summed up really well i had kevin and antoinette patterson on my podcast and they're poly educators and kevin said if i want to play with someone and have sex with them and then play video games afterwards my wife doesn't want to do that she hates video games if my wife wants to tie someone up and fuck them I don't want to do that. I don't want to be tied up. So she does that with someone else and I do this with someone else and we're all happy. So we're all having our needs met. And like you kind of think on that side, you're like, that's actually really quite logical. Jealousy is a weird thing. And, you know, it's because we're groomed to be like cheating is the worst thing in the world in our society. And, you know, you, you find the one, you know, and it's really hard to ask one person to meet all your needs for the rest of your life. And your needs change and your relationship changes over time. If we look at the people we dated when we were maybe 16, 17, I mean, I wouldn't be caught dead seeing them ever again, you know, because that was just a disaster. But, you know, when we do, we change and we grow. But I think there is something to be said for kind of exploring what relationship works for you. And it's all about communication. So I don't think any relationship really works without like extensive, honest communication. And that's why a lot of people are really unhappy. But you can kind of get away with that a little bit more in monogamy because you're just assumed to be stuck together until you divorce and that's it. Whereas in polyamory, if you're constantly, you know, figuring out 
who you're going to date who, are you breaking up with someone else like you know who minds the kids while who goes out on the Saturday night or you know all those kind of things or do you have the kind of polyamorous relationship where your partner knows about you know the new people and they have them over for dinner or is it a don't ask don't tell policy all these kind of things and I just think there's like, like there's what eight billion people in the world like monogamy and like one person for your whole life just doesn't work for absolutely everybody you know and like part of it is like I've said it to my husband and he's like I just could not be bothered having to listen to two people moaning about at the same time and he's just very lazy and he's like I can't like I have enough to keep up with your google schedule I can't keep up with someone else's as well and so that's you know that's fine but I've known people in poly relationships and they seem really happy and I've known people in monogamous relationships and they're really happy and I suppose it's just like being honest with yourselves and thinking like let's try this and let's figure it out and and having rules and boundaries and you know reading information about it and listening to people who have that lifestyle and you know there's there's poly communities everywhere in the world and and different relationship structures and I just think like life is short you know if you're finding monogamy isn't working for you and and you're getting frustrated like well then maybe polyamory might be the way forward and as well I suppose recognizing the difference between the the ideal and the theory and then the reality as well so you know it's not like you know you're going to go I'm going to try polyamory and then you know everything's going to be great from then on it's work and all relationships take work so um you know, and it's even basic conversations such as like, are we all getting STI checks because we're, you know, we're all going to be fluid bonded and that kind of thing. So, or, you know, uh, who, who gets to sleep in the beds, you know, on whatever nights and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of, um, pros and cons to all sorts of relationship styles, I suppose, but we just take monogamy as the default setting because that's what we're used to. Mm-hmm. That is an amazing answer. And I don't think Caroline knows me and she doesn't, she knows I'm never quiet. So your response to that question, well, does monogamy work? And it's like, well, okay, you've just pushed that back at me. And of course it's, it's not ideal for everybody, is it? And it, it is a conscript. I've got a hobby job. I marry people. I'm a celebrant. And the whole thing about that piece of paper, you are given away by your father as a woman. And then you'll become the property of the husband. Obviously it's changed. And I wonder if that's why it's perhaps more known to women now, polyamory, is because actually it's just as powerful for the woman to be in that sort of relationship rather than traditionally it's what men used to do, certainly within the royal family historically. So I imagine it's what, you know, people could get away doing beforehand, but more realistically, it would have been the man in, in, in that scenario. Wow. Thank you. I'm going to listen to that answer quite a few times because there's a lot in that. Yeah. Thank you. And that podcast that you mentioned, I was listening to it and what fascinated me the most was the honesty. And you mentioned honesty there because if in a monogamous relationship and if people are having affairs, that's not being honest. Whereas in in polyamory, they are being honest. And especially for that one, that podcast, because they were very open of, of who they were with and there was children involved and they were very open about, you don't meet my child or my children till a certain time and we know everything's safe and whatever. But um, I really, I, I, I was just fascinated with one. It was just, yeah, it, it was, she doesn't like playing video games but she likes tying people up and I don't like that and and it was just meeting each other's needs and that part I just thought was just fascinating it was just wow what if, if you can do it and you can schedule that calendar because 
<laughs> it's a lot of appointments. Yeah, it is, it is an awful lot. Caroline, it was great to have you on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. It's been really insightful and I hope our listeners, I have no doubt our listeners will get so much from it as well. And I'm sure we'll have lots of questions from people afterwards as well. We're going to be asking you back again, or I'm going to be ringing you up personally and just saying, hey, help me here. Which way do I go? That's absolutely fine. That's absolutely fine. And that's the thing. That's why I really like about studying sex is because as soon as you have one question and you do a bit of investigation in it, you'll have 10 more questions and it never ends. You'll never know everything there is to know about sex. And that's okay. You know, we don't have to have this nice, neat, tidy answer and we don't have to fit into a little box. And, you know, we might never know what makes us happy. And it's OK. Just once we like have a bash at trying and, you know, have a bit of exploration and stuff. So, you know, that's that's part of the fun of it all. And, um, you know, like sometimes you think you know it all and you're like, oh, yeah, I don't know it all. So it's fine. So, yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on. And it's been great, great to have these kind of conversations and stuff. So um, absolutely. Yeah, I'm happy to come back another time. So, yeah, I think I listened to you on the lesbian line back in June. I think it was around Pride Month or, you know, and I was like, we have to have you on our podcast. And we were only just starting out at the time. So we had to obviously get a few more podcasts behind us. But really, it was it was a great it was a great conversation. And thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Wow, wow, wow. It's, oh, it isn't, I hate this word and I use it all the time, but it's inspiring. Mm. One, you can study these things. Two, you know, because of that, she's removing these stigmas and mm. allowing us all to talk about these things. And crikey, how much have you learned? I've learned loads. I've learned so much, for, even from our other podcasts, though. And just more being more open about talking about sex and sexuality and masturbation and just, yeah. Because you don't hear people talking about lesbian sex. Even the lesbians. So, yeah. And suctions, I've never heard. I've never heard of suction toys. I like, what, where do we find this information out? Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm quite gutted because I should have done a, a quiz back at you, shouldn't I? And it should have included what toys. <laughs> well, content today. I can, I can throw some, some quiz stuff at you if you want. So um, one of the, um, I suppose, looking for content and looking for, sex content especially i think i was listening to a podcast it was a, i don't know it was an american podcast on lesbians and when she first came out she wanted to get a book on what it was because she was married to a man and she wasn't sure what she was so she bought this book and it's called the straight girl's guide to sleeping with chicks by jen Sinaro. so that's the book i i did buy it because she advertised it it has good stuff in it now it talks about strap-ons talks about eating pussy it talks about toys doesn't mention suction um it has weird pictures of like two cindy dolls having sex (laughs) oh my god and it was in black and white when did this come out (laughs) i don't know but it has a list of all the porn sites for lesbians it has lots of a troubleshooting one so difficulty reading display you've never had sex with a woman before ask her what she wants you to do to her (laughs) so (laughs) there's your troubleshooting (laughs) Make strange noise. Here we go. Switch off and switch on again. Then (laughs) here it is. Make strange noise when power's turned down. She's hot for you. Keep doing what you're doing. (laughs) Difficulty (laughs) hooking up. You're being too shy. Solution: tequila shots. (laughs) Hey, but there is some. um, Now let me see if I can. I had seen something and I thought it was funny because I was like, 
um, Sleeping with Chicks Part 6. But I did see some stuff in it and I was like, oh, this could be, here we go. Vocabulary Builder, Lug, L-U-G. Oh, no, you're not testing me again, yeah, are you? I, <laughs> oh, I would never have known this. It's the first word, lesbian. <laughs> oh, wow, well done. <laughs> lesbian until graduation. Woman, women who oh. come out full force in college and then settle down to a nice, normal, straight life when they graduate out into the real world. We all know one of those, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Oh, here we go. Here was the one I saw yesterday, which I thought, oh, God, I have to ask you. Side dish. <laughs> Oh, maybe then this external relationship with a woman when you're in a heterosexual relationship. A person who hooks up with a couple for a three-way. Oh, the other way around. Oh, okay. Well well done. You nearly got that. (laughs) Oh, that wasn't condescending at all. (laughs) Anyway. This is uh, Sleeping with Chicks, The Straight Girl's Guide to Sleeping with Chicks. You look horrendous. Huh? Did you say she was American? Yeah, American. Yeah, because chicks, oh God, that's not a good word over here. No, no. Anyway, it was just, I think it was somebody who was married to a man, wasn't sure what to do or what they were or anything and got that book. So I think it's a great idea because it is is a minefield, isn't it? Yeah. It is a minefield. I'm afraid I don't have any content. Um, However, I will do um, next time after perhaps we've... (laughs) I'm not suggesting we review products. However, <laughs> I think we should have. Re- I think we should. We need a budget. If we were making money, we have a budget. We need to have a budget so we can buy suction toys and that big thing that I've always seen, and yeah, I always thought that, that was one. really scary. <laughs> yeah. Oh Lord, how embarrassing! Yeah, I wasn't embarrassed through the whole of that actually. So that just shows you, you know, just by somebody talking so confidently about sex, about porn, and normalising it removes a lot of that fear, doesn't it? So I was really shocked. You were really quiet for the first ten minutes. I was afraid that you had not just put your computer on mute; you were on mute. <laughs> I was like, where's Becky gone? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I told you there's quite a few times that I was flawed there, but um, no. It, it, it is inspiring. And I, I think I feel comforted that actually by bloody time, you know, sex education is covering pretty much anything and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's important because there was one of the podcasts, I don't know how much time we've got left, but I'm going to carry on talking yeah. until you yeah. tell me to shut up. But one of them was all about um, uh, ensuring that you did the, um, Oh God, what's the exercise you do when you've had a baby? Pelvic floors. Yeah. Pelvic floor exercising. And the <laughs> fact that most women didn't even know what, that muscle was and when they started using that muscle it's like oh wow and they used it in sex more than anything yeah, else and it was like powerful. oh gosh that's and it's like oh okay <laughs> so there's so much to learn i highly recommend her podcast well becky for another few weeks until we have our next podcast and mm. um, thank you all our listeners today thank you to our wonderful guest dr caroline west and uh we'll all talk to you soon have a good week take care bye